16, if you grab your Bibles, turn with me there, John chapter number 16, and as we delve into a message we've entitled, A Counselor for Every Circumstance, Counselor for Every Circumstance. Let me say again, I'm glad that you are here. Uh, typically, June is a vacation month, but I think this year, because it's unique, July has turned into it for many folks, and so we actually have several join us of our own church family via live streaming who are on vacation, so trust they're having a good time and safety, and then we have a few under the weather and, and so forth, so certainly praying for them, but glad they're joining us too. And uh, for that, John chapter 16, boy, a great passage, especially as we look at verse number 7. If you'll look with me there, John chapter 16, verse number 7. Notice what uh, the author, John, says and records of Christ's words for us. Verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Okay, so why is that so crucial, so important? Here's where it's so applicable for us today. It applies to our lives and what we're going through, the lives, uh, the situation we find ourselves in, in the, in the world and so forth. You look back up at verse number six. He says, listen, I realize what I just told you. Your hearts are uh, full of sorrow. Maybe you're just a, Ah, you're a little concerned. You're anxious. Things. You're you're kind of worried about what's going to happen. And and he said, I, I realize that. I know sorrow. He he said at verse six, sorrow hath filled your heart. And boy, the unknown future really is for them. What we're kind of getting them worked up. In fact, in the verses before that, he says this. Listen, they're going to kick you out of the synagogue. In other words, this world, the place that you know is going to be turned upside down. And every because of what you believe, you're going to going to be kicked out. Can I ask you, do you feel kind of kicked out of America today? You feel kind of, because of your beliefs and what you hold to, that you're, uh, they want you to think you're a minority and so forth. He goes on further, he says, they're going to kill you too. They're going to take your life. They're going to persecute you. And so he understood their hearts are going to be filled with sorrow. So don't miss it. That is what predicates him saying, now it's expedient, it's important, it's necessary for me to go away so that the comforter can come. And he's going to minister to you. Let's pick up verse 8 as he describes what he'll do. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Uh, Verse 11, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them. So he's got more to explain. He's got more to to, um, pour into the lives of followers of Christ. So how is he going to do that? Verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever, excuse me, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath, are mine, and therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Now, it's likely that if I mention uh, these names here, um, uh, most of our minds, um, uh, most of the minds of those present would be drawn to the same thought. So if I say these names to you, um, you're probably going to think of the same thing, okay? I, I trust. Perry Mason, Matlock, Johnny Cochran. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Anyway, we won't go there. For those of you who are too young, don't worry about it, okay? We know all these people as what? Lawyers. 
right? Counsel, chief counsel in a courtroom. They're the ones that, that kind of, whether it be on, on TV or whatever the case may be, they're a lawyer, uh, ones that are familiar to us. You know, the fact is this, and don't miss it. If I went into a courtroom today, maybe if you did, and I, I trust you never had to, on the wrong side of it at least, uh, if we go into a courtroom today, I'll, I'll admit, boy, I, I'd feel very much like a stranger, like I was walking into a different world, I, not knowing what to do. I, I wouldn't know how to argue a case. I wouldn't know all the laws and everything by how you had to present your case and so forth, how to defend myself. I, I wouldn't have the knowledge uh, fully of how things worked in that setting. Literally, we could describe it this way. I would be a foreigner in that court. I need someone, a a counsel, as the term is, a lawyer, someone to come alongside who could help me tremendously to wade through uh, that courtroom, that place where I felt like a stranger. Isn't it interesting that God in heaven says to you and I, you're going to be in the world but not of the world? Elsewhere he says this, you are pilgrims and strangers in this present world. Or literally, we should be. That all that this world is, and Satan is the God of this world, and how he orchestrates and impacts and influences things, God says, you're going to be like strangers and pilgrims in that place. The longer we live here, and it seems we are constantly reminded, moment by moment, that this world, as it follows Satan, and you and I are going two completely different directions. This world is becoming unrecognizable to us. And it reminds us that this world is not our home. And we are strangers and pilgrims, or at least we should be acting like it. And so here in John chapter 16, verse 7, when Jesus Christ says he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and he describes him as what? Well, first of all, we understand, as we've read, he's a comforter. And that word comes from the Greek, parakletos. Okay, and that just means someone who comes alongside, someone who comes, and I like the picture of putting their arm around you and and instructing and counseling and pleading your cause, as we understand that to mean. It's interesting, too, this same Greek word, parakletos, is used in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, and uh, it's translated this way, if you'll notice it, it's speaking of Christ. It says this, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we We have an advocate, Paracletos, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So it's interesting, we have presented to us, here's the Holy Spirit, he's our advocate, he is our comforter, Paracletos, he comes alongside of us. And then we also have Jesus Christ, who is our Paracletos, our advocate, our comforter, and certainly fulfilling different roles. What's that term advocate mean? Well, Webster gives us a great definition that I think is appropriate of, uh, for the context as we read it. It's one who pleads the cause of another. As before a tribunal or a judicial court, it is a counselor, one who defends or espouses any cause by argument, a pleader, an intercessor. That's what the word advocate means, as translated as uh, comforter to and the idea of parakletos. You think about it, if we were going to put that into modern terms, we would say, oh yeah, that's like a lawyer. That's like counsel, a chief counsel, someone who is going to help us. Uh, and that is certainly what both Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are for you and I. They've come alongside us in different aspects of this role. Uh, or the roles presented by the definition. Jesus Christ is pleading our cause. He's arguing our cause up there in heaven based upon his righteousness, our faith in him. The Holy Spirit is here pleading God's cause, giving us counsel and interceding on our behalf. They are willingly there to to, uh, come alongside of us and a help for us. Now, I want to tell you right now, that is a good thing. 
that we have the Holy Spirit as an advocate, a comforter. We have Jesus Christ as an advocate and a comforter. Man, it, that's a good team to be on. Amen. That, that's some good. That, that is a good counselor or counsel or advocate or comforters to have on our side. Have you ever have you ever set about? to try to do something or learn to do something. And when you started out, you, were, uh, you, you basically had to admit, I don't have a clue about this. I don't know where to start. I need to do this, and I don't know where to start. And boy, you just really had no clue. It was a, a strange, a different thing that you were trying to do. I've been there before, and I am so grateful that I've had many a gracious volunteer or gracious people help and volunteer uh, that they could teach me something. They could come alongside of me, help me learn, to guide and direct me in some area when I was a novice or a stranger. Now, don't miss it. The fact is this, if you and I are strangers and pilgrims in this world, and now we are called to live a Christ-like life, my friend, the reality is, in our old flesh, and our, our old man, we really don't have a clue how best to do that. And so God comes and he says, listen, you have Jesus Christ in heaven, who's your advocate and counselor, but praise be to God, ye are dwelt by the Holy Spirit who is your advocate and your counselor, who's going to come alongside of you and help you know how to live. I've been on missions trips, and I'll tell you, one of the best things to have on a missions trip or going to a foreign field, a foreign country, is to have a missionary who knows what to do. I, I, missions trips would be horrible if we didn't have a missionary to work with who knows everything, knows the customs, knows the language sometimes, knows how to work with the people and can connect in a strange world for us. There's been a couple times where I've been left alone by a missionary in a foreign field, and I'm telling you, it can get downright scary. <laughs> people talking to you in a different language, you have no idea what they're, what they're talking about and so forth. And there's been a couple, and I alluded to it before. There's one, we were in Jamaica, and we were walking through what, what might be described as a slum. He had dropped us off. I had some of my teenagers with us, and we were going down, knocking on doors and witnessing and things like that. And, and there was just some scary characters there, some drug dealers there and so forth in Jamaica and things, and Rastafarians and so forth. I mean, it was, a, it was a scary dude, and scary dudes all around, scary people and so forth. And I remember I had a couple guys with me, a young lady from her youth group, and uh, we were walking down the middle of the street, the young lady and I was, and a guy came and approached us, and, and I didn't understand him at first, and finally when he spoke in his broken English, I came to realize that he was offering to trade his wife for the teenage girl. Literally. That's what he was doing. <laughs> and she didn't understand it at first, thankfully, because she probably would have ran, ran away screaming, you know. And, uh, um, but nonetheless, that's literally. And so, man, I'm telling you, you can get into some scary predicaments if you don't have a good guide, someone to direct you and guide you and help you in that. Man, aren't you thankful you and I have the Holy Spirit today? That he indwells us and he's a counselor like nothing else. For every circumstance, even through the tumultuous couple months we've gone through, my, it is good to have the Holy Spirit as our counselor, our advocate, our help, the, the one who's come alongside of us. It's um, exactly what Christ is described to the Holy Spirit, or Christ is describing the Holy Spirit as, and certainly much more. It's a thought to bless. Let me put it this way. I think this is good for us to put it in practical terms, terms we can grasp. Well, let's just simplify and say it this way. Jesus Christ is our advocate in heaven before the Father, pleading our case, our cause. The Holy Spirit is the Father's advocate in our world, representing him and pleading his case to us. And so in that, don't misunderstand, the Holy Spirit is our comforter and advocate too, but he's also helping you and I, as the scripture said in John chapter 16, to know the truth. He will guide us into all truth. So he's literally pleading God's cause here to us. And what a beautiful thought that is. 
Jesus Christ in heaven, Holy Spirit here, helping us all along the way. And certainly we would immediately say that probably the, the biggest area in which the Holy Spirit ministered us is through that idea of being a counselor. Giving us wisdom, imparting to us that truth that he'll guide us into. Um, God's, uh, and, and certainly he's pleading God's case for righteous living, and he's helping us to do that. Boy, we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Saying, why, why is that so crucial? Why is it so crucial for us to have the Holy Spirit to counsel us and to guide us and direct us? Well, first of all, the fact is this. We need him as our counselor because man left to himself is impossibly in trouble is impossibly in trouble. When, when man left to himself, it, it, there is no hope, friend. Uh, we are impossibly in trouble. Have you ever walked into a kitchen and maybe your kids were cooking? Uh, maybe somebody was cooking and didn't know what they were doing or whatever the case may be. There's been a couple times I walked into the house and home, coming here from church and work, and, and I walk in and the first time I look around, I'm like, uh-oh, something went wrong. And sometimes that's simply this, and Erica just looks at me with a wink and a smile and she says, Caden, help me bake today. Five-year-old has a way of making a pretty good mess, doesn't they? Maybe you've walked into that, or maybe for us guys, you've walked into your garage and like, uh-oh, this is a mess. Something's gone wrong. Can we just simplify it as we look around this world today, as we look around where mankind is and how this world has progressed? If we were to put it in a simplified conclusion, we'd say this, something went wrong. Something went wrong. What went wrong? Well, the fact is this, to look at this world we live in, its present condition, and the present condition of the human race, to sum it all up with that idea of something went wrong. The fact is this, mankind was created in the likeness of God. As he was created in the likeness of God, he was given a free will, because God has a free will too. So we were created in the very image of God, and in that free will, that is a great asset, but my friend, it became a great liability when man chose evil instead of good. So now we've got it messed up. Now we're in trouble. Now things have gone terribly wrong because man has chosen that. And it was a deliberate choice. Man chose that from Adam and Eve onward. We've chose evil. We've chosen the darkness over light. And that deliberate choice has led us to be in deep trouble. The Bible's clear about it. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way. Notice this. And what did that produce? Iniquity. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The result, the consequences of going our own way. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 20 simply says this. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Hate to burst your bubble, but the scriptures are clear. There's none righteous, no, not one. So we are in trouble. There's no other explanation that man left to himself is in trouble. Uh, the New Testament puts a little bit more succinct, doesn't it? Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And therefore, the consequences uh, of that choice, that free will and choice to choose sin, the consequence is, as we know it, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, is death. For the wages of sin is death. But boy, you want to turn to God? That's a gift offered by him is eternal life. Eternity in heaven. And so that leads us now. So we have to admit, wow, without God, we're in trouble. Without the Holy Spirit helping us and teaching us and guiding us into truth, even when we're unbelievers, the fact is we are impossibly in trouble. Number two, here's a, a simple truth too. The Holy Spirit is our counselor and advocate. We need him because finite man is incapable of grasping, let alone keeping, the laws of God. 
We can't do that in our flesh, in our humanity, our sinful flesh. We can't keep the laws of God. You break one, we're aware, you break them all. You're guilty of all, I should say. So we are incapable of that. You know, there's been many a times when I've been on a mission field and Again, away from a missionary, and I've tried to communicate with someone who speaks a different language. Uh, you don't have to go to the mission field. Sometimes you call a helpline here in America, and you get that. But anyway, um, you ever try to do that? You ever try to converse with somebody in a different language? You're like, man, I'm not getting through. They're not getting through to me. And I, this isn't working, and, and I, I'm sad to say I've had to ask on the phone before, can I speak to somebody that actually speaks English? <laughs> you know, and, and you try to find that on a mission field, and you try to speak. And, and it can get downright difficult, my friend, when you're looking for a bathroom uh, or something, and, and you don't understand what they're saying, the instructions they're given. They don't have a clue what you're asking for and so forth. And uh, I remember being in uh, Guyana, and uh, where they actually had a KFC there, praise the Lord, okay? And uh, they had a KFC. I remember being there, and, and uh, I being, you know, southerly, uh, southerly influenced, all right, like salt and things. So I went up and asked for salt. That was not a good idea. They literally brought out a block of salt and, char- and chiseled some off of it and set it there in front of me. Like that's fun. Okay, great. <laughs> I don't know where the salt came from. Maybe a salt lick back in the back of the store for the animals. Anyway, I don't know where it was and so forth. But communication, man, being able to understand and converse, that's difficult. Can I tell you this? You and I and God are not on the same plane. Mankind and God, we've fallen short of that glory. We, we can't understand. In fact, you see some verses here in Romans chapter 3 and verse 11 says, well, there's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. But can I tell you, praise God for the Holy Spirit that comes and puts us on the same level. That helps us to understand, oh, that's what God is saying. Oh, I am a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. I am a human being who has chosen evil and sin. I'm facing the consequences known as death. And yet the Holy Spirit illuminates us and brings us to that, uh, that understanding, that realization, so that we can come to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My friend, I sure am glad that Jesus Christ went back to heaven and left the Holy Spirit for us. Man, we need him. Whether saved or unsaved, this is what he does. We can't understand the mind of God. We've seen these verses frequently in the last few months, but so pertinent. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. There's none that under, or excuse me, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit that allows me to understand the mind of God to a degree. As I read the scriptures, he illuminates and teaches us and guides us into the truth. Man, it is good to know God's playbook. It is good to know God's plan and his will. You know who helps us do that? The Holy Spirit. Many a times, and maybe you've seen it on TV or a, a movie, whatever the case may be, or maybe you've been in court before, the judge says something and, and the defender or somebody else looks at his lawyer. What is he saying? What does he mean? Well, what is it? And boy, this is life dealing and life impacting things. What, what is he saying? And the lawyer has to explain it and said, well, he said this. This is what he means. And this is the intent. Man, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit does that for us. He's illuminating us and teaching us all along the way. Boy, we ought to be grateful for the Holy Spirit. We need him desperately. Number three, notice it. We need him because self-reliant mankind is irrefutably destined for failure apart from God. Irrefutably destined for failure apart from God. I have trumpeted before the, the joy of living in the time we live in, in America and this world, where we pride ourselves and have all the tools to be very good do-it-yourself kind of people. 
If something breaks, we'll work on it. We'll build it if we need it. We'll, we'll fix it. Or whatever the case may be with YouTube and the internet made it possible for trying to do most things ourselves. You just look in, in stores on the internet. Boy, they sell all kinds of kits. You can build a car. You can build, a, you can build an airplane. You can build all kinds of things, a kit. And uh, you can get that. It's kind of reflective of what we are as people. It's good to be handy with uh, our hands. Do not be so dependent upon others in these ways, certainly. But sadly, that attitude has crept into the spiritual realm, especially in the area of salvation for many. And I would say even sanctification for some believers. But in salvation, many people say, I got this, I can handle it, I'll take care of myself. I, I've been a pretty good person. My friend, there is nothing that you can do to fix salvation for yourself. You can't. You can't fix it. You, you may be great at everything else. You know, let me put an illustration this way. I actually enjoy working on my car. I'm not very good at it, but I enjoy working on it, trying to change things and do things. But there's one big fear that nags me every time I, I, I grab a, a ratchet and, and wrench or whatever the case may be, the tools, and I jack up that car. There is one fear that always nags me. When I take this car apart, am I going to be able to put it back together? The same way, and is it going to work? I'm serious. I, it is always scary. Is this going to work? Am I going to run into a bolt or something that sees and everything else? And I have, and uh, some here help me with that. And, and boy, it's just that is my biggest fear, that I can take it apart, that I can tear it down, but I can't put it back together. May I submit to you today, we as humans are good at tearing this life apart, tearing it down, but we stink at putting it back together. You and I can destroy life. We can make the worst of it, and we can make bad decisions and so forth, but we cannot fix it. We are unable to put it back together. We are failures, having come short of the glory of God for salvation. Our own wisdom and our strength has failed us. May I just simply put it this way as the Scripture puts it. The leopard still cannot change its spots. The tiger cannot change its stripes. No human can add a foot to his height, and no person can save himself. You can't do it. We can make a mess of things. We can uh, make bad choices. We can see that this life is a life of sin. It's salvation cannot be fixed. It cannot be worked out. It cannot be achieved by the weakest or the strongest person. What did that verse say? It is the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it's the Holy Spirit that has illuminated us. If you know that today, you say, praise the Lord for the, God's word. Amen. The truth is there. But I sure am thankful for the Holy Spirit who guides us into the truth. I'm thankful for an advocate, a counselor, a comforter who's come down from heaven who said, listen, believer, I want to help you. Unbeliever, I want to bring you to the Savior you desperately need. You can't save yourself. You can't help yourself. You can't gain heaven by yourself. But there is a Savior who died for your sins and for mine. The Holy Spirit tells us and illuminates us and helps us to understand. It is that counselor that speaks the truth of God to help us to come to the realization, I need God, I need to put my faith in Christ. May I ask you this morning, is he speaking to you right now? One of the great areas and ministries of the Holy Spirit is that he works as the word of God through the foolishness of preaching. The Holy Spirit is trying to work. He has come alongside each of us in these pews and he's trying to, hey, that's truth. You need that. You need to listen to that. You need to get that in your heart and in your thinking, your meditation. You need to live by that. You need to apply that. May I ask you this morning, friend, is he's talking to you? Is he saying, listen, hey, you made a mess of it. You've proven all those points. That pastor has mentioned that. Boy, apart from God, life is trouble. You're a failure apart from him. Is he speaking to you? 
is this wonderful advocate of God to mankind, speaking to your heart today and asking you to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, to admit you're in trouble, that you can't keep or understand God's laws, that you will end up a failure in hell without Christ. May I encourage you to listen to that advocate today. Listen to that advice. Trust in Christ for salvation. May I just put it this way? Let's put it in the terms that we're talking about. It is the best legal advice you could ever get. It is the best legal advice you could ever get from any lawyer. You don't want to stand in God's courtroom when you die without Jesus Christ being your advocate. Your counsel. The lawyer who's going to plead your cause for his own righteousness instead of your sins. You don't want to face that. Now, Frank, could I encourage you in just a few minutes when we have an invitation, would you just walk down an aisle? Would you say, listen, God, I know I made a mess of my life. I'm a sinner, and my sin makes me deserving of hell. And would you come and just through simple prayer put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? But when you do, the the Bible is promised you gain the Holy Spirit as your advocate, your comforter, and dwell in you, and Jesus Christ becomes your advocate in heaven, pleading your cause. Trust him today. Now, Christian, Not only is the Holy Spirit active in pleading with us for salvation, but he's also actively pleading with us, wanting to counsel us in regards to our sanctification. It isn't just wooing us to salvation. Oh, that's just the beginning of his ministry. Then he indwells us. Then we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, Paul wrote. And then his work becomes guiding and directing us in sanctification. How to better live and look like Jesus Christ every day. You know, here's what I've understood uh, there are times, in fact, I've mentioned it before, you know, children are good, and uh, at a young age, they seem to develop it from their sinful nature, I'd say, but uh, have you ever tried to help a little child, and they say, I do it myself? We went through that stage with a couple of our kids, I do it myself, and then they can't do it. You know, sometimes we get that as Christians, as adults. Holy Spirit comes along in our service and our devotions, he comes alongside, and he's trying to say, hey, let's work on this. No, no, I do it myself. And spiritually, we just kind of push around. Can I tell you, you and I need the Holy Spirit every day. We need to listen. We need to allow him to work. and We need to have that, that sensitivity to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit through God's word, teaching us and guiding us, uh, kind of carving on us and chiseling on us to bring us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, you couldn't have a better lawyer. You couldn't have a better advocate or comforter. As we consider it, let me put it in terms of this. Uh, What would you want in a lawyer that was pleading your case, that was defending you and giving you counsel and guiding you through the strange realm of the courtroom? Who would you, what, what kind of lawyer would you like? Well, let me put a few descriptions here. And in doing so, may I simply say this, anything that you would want in a human lawyer, you have in the Holy Spirit. On a spiritual level, the spiritual realm, anything you could ever desire in a human lawyer. And it's funny, isn't it? What is most of our views of lawyers today? (laughs) Dishonest, cheats, something else, in it for themselves, and so forth. I mean, how many lawyer jokes are out there, or used to be, okay? Make fun of it, and so forth. And and I mean, listen, we kind of degrade that. Well, and boy, we're always looking for an honest lawyer. If we've got to go to court or something's got to happen. Boy, anything you could desire in a human lawyer, the Holy Spirit is that and much more. Can I just share with you, challenge you, encourage you with uh, five or so different descriptions? 
I mean, this thought of him being all these things um, and, and being present in a time of troubles for us in every circumstance is both intriguing and comforting. Think of it with me. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, our comfort. He is a diligent advocate. He is a diligent advocate. You see, if I had a lawyer representing me in a courtroom, I would want him to be tireless, constantly in pursuit of the best outcome for me. I would want him to always be there for me, always working on the case. I, I'd want him to shake every bush, to turn over every stone. I, I'd want him to be constantly updating me on how things were going, what, giving me counsel as to what I should be doing, how I should be acting and, and bringing about that best outcome, what the best steps for the future success are. You say, Pastor Henry, boy, if you want a lawyer like that in a human courtroom, you're going to pay an arm and a leg. And you're right. But praise the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit, who is that kind of spiritual advocate and counselor. And you know what? He comes right along with that free gift of salvation. How do I like to describe it? And you're probably getting tired of hearing it. Salvation is the gift that keeps on giving. It is. And the Holy Spirit is one of the best parts of that. He is a diligent advocate. John chapter 14 is the other passage that, that God describes, or Christ describes the Holy Spirit. He says this, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That, isn't that neat? Another advocate, another paracletos, a, a, another one who comes alongside and helps you. I'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you, notice the words, forever. He's never going to leave you. He's going to be diligently there working. Notice what he does. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Uh, he bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. John chapter 16, we've read it. He's going to guide you into all truth. He'll not speak of himself. He'll speak of me. And he'll teach us. Be there constantly. He is doing it forever for us. He's a diligent advocate. I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit doesn't take breaks or vacations. <laughs> I'm thankful that he is always diligently our advocate. He's for me. Number two, notice it. Secondly, I, I think this is great. He is a courageous advocate. There's nothing he'll back down from. There's no battle, no fight, no pleading of our cause, no, no counsel. Well, I can't help you with that. No, no, he won't back down. He won't give up. He won't turn away from doing what is necessary. In verses 8 through 10 of this passage, do you see what he says? Christ says that he's going to do. Number one, he says this. He's going to convict the world of sin. Why is that? Because here's the truth. If the world does not realize, if we do not see our sin, then we will not embrace and acknowledge our need for a Savior. So the Holy Spirit starts out with, you've got to see your sin. Now, I would say it's both in salvation and sanctification. The Holy Spirit will come to you and I as believers, just like he comes to unbelievers and says, listen, there's some sin in your life, and you need to get this taken care of. For the unbeliever, he says this, you can't do anything about it. You've fallen short of the glory of God. You're knocking on heaven's door, and you can't get in. You need a Savior, a perfect Savior, one who's righteous, who died for you. You need to trust him and gain salvation gain heaven and lose hell for the believer he comes to you and i and he says this listen if there's sin in your life friend you you need to go talk to the savior you need to confess your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness you need jesus so he convicts us of our sin he's courageous in doing that you know what we have sometimes friends we have others who, who won't say anything about what we're doing wrong and so forth they're not courageous enough to help us because confronting is a form of helping us 
And yet they won't do it. I sure am glad that the Holy Spirit is courageous. You will never get away with sin when the Holy Spirit indwells you. He'll convict you. He's going to say something. Now, you and I may harden our hearts. We may do this. Nah, 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 nah. You ever do that as a kid? Hopefully you haven't done it as an adult. Hey, spiritually, we can do that. No, nah, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to do that. My friend, can I tell you, he convicts of sin. Number two, notice this, <laughs> convicts of righteousness. Now, this is a great point. I want, you, I want you to grab hold of this. You see, when Jesus left this earth, we lost the best example of how to live godly and holy. See, we lost that. I mean, wouldn't it be great to have Jesus Christ around tonight and today, every day, and just look at him and say, okay, how should I act? What should I say? How should, I mean, that would be fantastic. The disciples didn't realize what they had during those three years. To have Christ there demonstrating, exemplifying righteousness in every situation, man, that would be awesome. You say, well, that is a shame, Pastor. We don't have that. All right, we don't have that, but we do have God's advocate and our counselor that can give us a visible pattern of righteousness through his counsel. It replaces the visible pattern of Jesus Christ in person, incarnated, with now we have the Holy Spirit who, who describes and guides us into that visible pattern of righteousness. So when the Bible says it convicts of righteousness, oh my goodness, the need of righteousness to get in heaven, but also the reality that you can live a holy life. Here's how. Through God's word and the Holy Spirit directing us and guiding us. Then he says what? He will convict of judgment. Now, it sounds negative, but did you catch what he says? There in verse number 11 of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. This is actually a proclamation of victory. This is a reality that death and sin, the grave and Satan, were already judged on the cross of Calvary, and praise be to God, they were defeated. The victory is sealed. My sin was judged and dealt with there on the cross when I, as I trusted in Christ. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is courageous in his work in convincing us of that, of judgment. Listen, you know, oh, man, I, I dread death. I'm scared of death. Oh, man, I sinned again. I, there's no hope for me. No. Praise be to God. That's already been judged. Jesus Christ dealt with it on the cross of Calvary. And so the, the Holy Spirit is talking to unbelievers. And listen, hey, good news. You don't have to spend eternity in hell to pay for your sins. Jesus Christ paid for them. They've been judged. And then he says to you and I as Christians, listen, don't wallow. If you trip up, praise the Lord. That sin is under the blood. Confess it, forsake it, and move on. Hey, I don't have to fear death. Death has no sting. Grave has no victory. Why? Because my, praise the Lord, my God has already judged it. He's dealt with it. Boy, the Holy Spirit is constantly there reminding us, courageously reminding us of that. Quickly, notice that number three, he is a loyal advocate. He is loyal. Boy, you want a, a lawyer that's going to be loyal, don't you? Above anything else, you want him to be loyal to you, knowing that in that loyalty, he has your best interest in mind and as his goal. He wants the best for you. And that certainly describes our advocate, the Holy Spirit. I like Romans chapter 8, and verse 26. We studied it on Wednesday nights many moons ago. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know what we should, for we know not, excuse me, what we should pray for as we ought. But the Holy Spirit itself maketh intercession for who? For us. He's loyal to us. 
He maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I mean, you having the Holy Spirit, an advocate, a lawyer, a comforter that is loyal to God, because he is God, and he's loyal to you and I. What a blessing we have. He's a loyal advocate. Uh, Number four, he is a humble advocate. He's humble. I want a lawyer (laughs) uh, that, and certainly you would want a lawyer that is not all about himself, but in reality, he rarely thinks about himself, but rather thinks about the one that he represents. It's not about him getting a victory. It's not about him making a name for himself. No, that, you don't want that in a law. You want somebody who says, listen, this is about you. You, uh, you are important. This case is important. Getting you off the hook or whatever, getting your money back. This is what's most important. One has wisely stated and made this statement. True humility is not thinking of oneself as a worm. It is not thinking of oneself at all. That's true humility. See, we like to fake it. Well, I'm just terrible. I'm horrible. I'm, I'm a nobody and so forth. Stop talking about yourself. Just don't think about yourself. That's humility. And isn't that what the Holy Spirit is described as doing for us? Look at verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. Notice this. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall bear, hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Man, what a statement here. It's not about him. He's not speaking for himself. He's not making a name for himself. I'd put it this way. I think this is a great statement. Always remember this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has your best interest in God's most glory in mind in all he does. You want to know what his goal is in ministry? The ministry goal right now, the Holy Spirit? It's your best interest, God's most glory in everything he does. Everything. And boy, I like an advocate like that. I like a counselor, uh, one who's on my side that is just that way, has that mindset, this humility. It's encouraging, it's exciting. He's my counselor, my advocate, constantly coming alongside of me and you to help us through the difficult circumstances of life in this world, our best interest. Number five, this kind of flows with that one. He is a personal advocate. Uh, A good attorney will never forget that he is dealing with real people, human beings, not just a case number. It's never good when you hired a lawyer and six months in, a year in, you call him. He goes, okay, what's your name again? What's your case number? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, He's probably too focused on case numbers uh, instead of real people, friend. The ultimate importance is not found in legal, legal papers but in living people. And may I just submit to you, you can study the Scriptures. Here's what you will find. The Holy Spirit is all about people. He works in people. He works with people, he works through people, and he works for people. That's his goal. That's what he does. He's a personal advocate. That's our wonderful advocate. He knows us intimately, he knows us personally, he knows us deeply. The list could go on and on. Obviously, as the Holy Spirit is God, all those attributes uh, certainly would apply and so forth. This just kind of reminds us, kind of invigorates us again of what our Holy Spirit is. May I just simply say this? If you say, hey, what's the application of this part? You know what? Daily, you and I ought to be thankful for the Holy Spirit. We ought to give thanks to God that he did not leave us alone here on earth that he gave us an advocate, a comforter, a counselor in the Holy Spirit. But there's an important point to this. Well, that's all good information, and that's necessary. We need to be reminded, and it's been a good study thus far this morning, and uh, a good challenge. But if we see we are so wonderfully blessed, here, here, here's one I want to ask. How do I take advantage of our advocate? 
How, how do I make that personal in that? Man, I am taking full advantage. I'm getting the best out of it and the most out of it, uh, of this advocate we have dwelling inside of us. Here it is. It's simplicity and it's, uh, from the Scriptures. Number one, I must hearken. May I just put it this way? You listen you sense and wait for the instruction and leading of the Holy Spirit. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, John wrote this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say unto the churches. And, and all through the Scriptures, we know the Holy Spirit is presented as talking to us, leading us, guiding us, teaching us, and helping us to understand. So we, first of all, just need to listen. You've got to understand and got to get a grasp for, man, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to me today. This service and my devotions every day, He wants to bring things to mind. He wants to guide me into all truths. Man, I need to listen. I need to hearken. I need to have a heart that is in tune to his. You say, well, how do I exactly do that? Here's one way you can do it. Learn what that peace feels like that comes over your heart when you follow and yield to the Holy Spirit. So when you are seeking God's will on something, and you're, de- you're determining how do I act or react or whatever the case may be, and you're seeking that, and the Holy Spirit reveals that. And boy, there's that peace that floods you. It's a peace that passes all understanding. And it says the peace that comes into your heart and your mind. When you get a feel for that, friend, don't ever forget what that feels like. Because then in the future, boy, when you come to a difficult decision and you're seeking the Lord's will and you're seeking truth, you'll know it when it comes. You'll know that peace that floods your heart and your mind because the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, has guided you into the truth of God's Word. So don't lose a sense for that. Don't lose a feel for that. Make sure you're listening and hearkening. Number two, obviously, the second thing that follows then is I must heed, obey Him. Uh, yield to him, submit to him, all biblical descriptions. Follow that leading, uh, whatever it takes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, what? be filled with the Holy Spirit, be yielded, be submitted to the Holy Spirit. Truly allow him to guide you as a stranger in this hostile world. May I tell you, as God, he knows everything. And so he knows this world. He knows what to stay away from. He knows what to get into. He knows what to say, what not to say, how to act, how not to act. The Holy Spirit is your advocate, your counselor. I fear, though, sometimes we resist him coming alongside of us. We don't listen. And then we don't heed. We don't follow what he says to do. And then number three, this may be, you may think that's a little odd, but I think it's so important. I must be honest. Honest. You know what I find in my own life sometimes? We need to be honest when I am truly yielding him and when I am not. When I'm not. When, when, it's, not the, when it's the wrong spirit leading. <laughs> when it's my own flesh leading and not the new nature, governed by the Holy Spirit, yielded to the Holy Spirit. There's no positive consequences in deceiving my own self or others. Nothing good comes from saying that I am spirit-led when I am not. See, the Bible says, be not deceived. And boy, we can do that easily. Out of the heart, it, the heart is desperately wicked. Things that spring from it, boy, we can really deceive ourselves. So we've got to be careful. We need to be honest with ourselves. Am I really following the Spirit or am I not? Have I just thrown on some spiritual garb into my own desires and wishes and say, oh yeah, I'm following the Spirit? Be careful. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit will even reveal that, Amen. He'll show you when we're we're faltering in that way. Number four, notice it, I must harvest. What do you mean by that? 
Well, can I tell you, I want the fruit of the Spirit that's listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 in my life. I want to harvest that fruit. As I hearken, as I heed, as I'm honest with myself that, oh, no, no, I want him to lead. I'm not going to lead myself. Then I want to harvest the fruit of the Spirit. You remember what these are? Now, listen, listen to this. You say, Pastor Henry, how do I know that I'm really being Spirit-led? Well, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love. You love others. You love God more than anything. Joy. You ever meet a Christian who's following the Spirit and has absolutely no joy? (laughs) Can't be done. It's not possible. Did you know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Joy. Joy. Do you know what's the next statement? Love, joy. Notice this, long-suffering. Long-suffering. Peace. Right before that, peace. My friend, you're going through difficult circumstances. You're going through a life turned upside down. You know what the, a, a fruit, a product of being spirit-led through that is? You have peace. Peace that passes all understanding. My friend, and all that takes is being open and listening to that advocate who we have, who's right here for us to reap the benefits of, to take advantage of. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. It's all the product, the harvest of being yielded and submitted to the Holy Spirit. Oh, my friend, what a blessing we have in the Holy Spirit. His counsel and his guidance is how that happens, to produce the fruit. I'd love for you to see this morning, number one, that you and I have a precious advocate and counselor in the Holy Spirit. Let's praise God and thank him today for the Holy Spirit. Number two, I want each of us to take advantage of his presence in our lives. He's here, he's indwelling us, and his power to do great things in us and through us. I look around the world, and sometimes in my flesh I say, how in the world are we ever gonna survive? I'll tell you how we're gonna survive. Let's listen to the counselor, the advocate, the comforter, the one who's come alongside and is given to us by God. May I just put it this way, and we'll pray. May you and I this week be spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, spirit-yielded, and spirit-empowered to live as we ought to. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I am so grateful and thankful for the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you to forgive me. I, I pray my brothers and sisters would do the same. We would ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive me where I have kind of gone my own way, Lord, that I have neglected the counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, that the Father, I've kind of shut him out. I, I've told him that I will do it myself. Father, forgive me for that. May I get back and may each one of us come back to living day by day, choice by choice, action by action, thought by thought, through the yielding to the Holy Spirit. May we allow him to speak into our lives and guide us into all truth and be that counselor we need to to make it through this world and this life in such a way that we glorify you, we honor you, that we can live righteously and holy by his counsel and his wisdom. Father, thank you, Jesus Christ is there pleading our cause on our behalf. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is here pleading your cause to us. Lord, I pray this morning that we would be encouraged, that we would be enlightened to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then, Father, as we go from this place, may we be empowered to live through the counsel of the Holy Spirit. May we as Christians be so in tune. May we be sensitive to that small voice, to the speaking, the leading, the teaching, the guiding of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we walk in such a way that pleases you. 
Father, help us to determine that way. Help us to commit to that. And Lord, I pray for the teenagers that just went away to camp. May they realize the decisions they've made at camp, certainly led by the Holy Spirit. The only way they're going to keep them is by submitting and yielding to the Holy Spirit daily. May they see that this counselor is there to help them keep these decisions. Lord, bless tonight, this morning. I pray if there's one who's unsaved, who's yet to trust in Jesus Christ, may they listen and yield to the Holy Spirit's voice. May they come down this, uh, this aisle. May they put their faith and trust in you through prayer. Lord, we're grateful for all that you are and all that you give us. You are a glorious, wonderful God. We stand in all of you this morning. Thank you for being you. Thank you for all you do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across the auditorium. Join me in standing.